0: Right, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. So I just read from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, which is on page 857 in the black hardback Bibles around you if you don't have one. And when I was a, a, a kid, or, or you can think about when you were a kid, or maybe you are a kid or a kid at heart, whatever you may be in that litany of things, it seemed like Christmas took forever to come. Like it just lasted forever. It was such an eternity and you just waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. Is it ever going to get here? And then once, you know, December came and at Pine Log Elementary, you just began into this long list of, of concerts and parties and just, you know, watching movies because we didn't really do anything in the last couple of weeks. Once you entered, it just it didn't really accelerate. It just slowed down all the more. And so you just could not wait for Christmas to get here. You longed for it. You anticipated that night because you couldn't wait to come for me, come down the stairs and see, you know, what, what presents were there. Now, you were so excited. You anticipated it so greatly. Such eagerness, such anticipation, longing for Christmas morning to get here. You know who else longed for Christmas morning to get here? Who, who was burnt, just burning with anticipation for that day? Our candles should give it away. The angels. The angels could not wait for Christmas morning to get here because think about it. They they had to know the plan of the father to send his son into the world to save his people. They had to know that that was coming and all throughout the Old Testament. You know, there were these opportunities where they spoke to prophets, but it was always just a little piece. They were, they were never allowed to give the full story at one time. Just a little piece, just a little piece. And you know, they're like, oh man, if I could just tell you a little bit more. If, if you just knew what I knew, you would trust me a whole lot more. Which should tell us something for our own lives. If we just knew what God knows, we would trust Him a whole lot more. And so they longed for this. They could not wait for the morning to get here. And then when, when, when God sent Gabriel to Mary and, and to Joseph... It only heightened their anticipation. I mean, it just knocked it off the charts to a whole new level. And then nine months later, God said to them, it's go time. Go and sing for joy. Go and sing your hallelujahs because Christ the Lord is born this day in the city of David. Go sing. And off they go in joy to make the message that they had long waited to announce. To make it go viral. He's come. He's here. He's born. What you've been waiting for. Messiah. The anointed one. The Christ. He's here. Uh, Just just listen to it now. Out of Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, just like you or I would be if the glory of the Lord shined around us. And the angel said to them, so here it is, here's the announcement, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so, I mean, what a moment! What a moment! All that they had been longing for. All that they wanted to do. In, in, and in that moment, I, I think that in this glorious announcement that the Savior has come to rescue self-oriented, self-focused rebels like me and you, I think in this moment, heaven emptied. Let's look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude Of the heavenly host, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Among those with whom he's pleased, like a multitude, heavenly host doesn't mean a couple. Right, doesn't mean a few. And and so I think what's happening here is literally every single one of God's angels crowded in to peek in down at the manger because this was the most amazing thing that had ever happened in history. Way more than creation. God is becoming man. The Son of God, like this is the incarnation, this is what has happened. The Son of God, remaining what He was, God, became what He was not, man, Jesus. Now make sure you do not understand, Christmas morning is not the starting point for the Son of God. He is eternal. He became man that day. He's not not always been man. But he will now always be man. That is the miracle that is happening. And the angels have been waiting. This is the only way we could be saved. It's finally here. And I think they all wanted to see it. That is what Charles Wesley wrote in his great Christmas carol. Hark the herald angels sing. Veiled in flesh the godhead see hail the incarnate deity this is who jesus is god in the flesh full of glory holy majesty and yet born to save his people from their sin and so because of that the angels that they could not contain it anymore The announcement is made, they bust out in song, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom the Lord is pleased. My friends, that's what the angel candle is all about. When you see the angel candle, think about the glory of Jesus, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Think about the peace that he is And the peace that he brings. And so this morning we're just going to meditate for a few minutes on these two ideas. This idea of glory. And this idea of peace. And so first let's talk about Christ's glory. Because that's literally the first word out of this heavenly host's mouth. The first word is glory. Glory to God in the highest. And that's because that is just who God is. He is glorious. It's all over the Scriptures, and we can throw all the adjectives at it that, that, that we can, and we will, but none of them capture it. It is impossible. We do not have the words, the human capacity, the mental ability to grasp or describe the glory of God. Glory that when it shines around you, you are filled with great fear. You who attack lions and attack bears who come after your sheep are filled with great fear. The best we can do is reflect on the fact that God's glory is the idea of His splendor, His beauty, His magnificence, His radiance, His heaviness, His sovereignty, His power, His weightiness, His prominence, His preeminence, His luminescence, His majesty, His holiness, His wonder, His awe, His perfection, His worthiness, His supremacy, His honor, His omnipotence, His omniscience, His omnipresence, His grandeur and greatness, that's who God is. Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. and What that means is that He is, he is shouting it at us. He's shouting out, he shouts it with clouds, he shouts it with, with, with rain, he shouts it with snow, he shouts it with blue expanses and, and golden sunsets, he shouts it with stars and galaxies and quasars and supernovas and black holes, he shouts it with, with size and scale and details. Design, like down to the intricacies of, the D, of DNA, how that perfectly is designed, And the scale of the universe. I mean, it's it's 93 million miles from here to the sun. Okay, 93 million miles. So let's just to give you some scale. Let's imagine that this sheet of paper, the thickness of the sheet of paper represents that. 93 million miles. Okay, okay. The distance, if you stacked up sheets of paper, so I have like 500 sheets right here, right? If you stack, stacked up sheets of paper, the distance relative, 93 million miles by one thickness, to the next closest star would be a stack seven stories tall. And if you want to do our galaxy, just our galaxy, there's billions of galaxies, just our galaxy, if we took the papers and we stood them on their side like this, It would be a line that stretches 310 miles in thicknesses of paper, 93 million miles each. That's just one galaxy. This is the grandeur and the greatness of God. Psalm 24 tells us that Jesus is the king of glory. That means he is in a class all by himself in his perfection and his greatness and his worth because he he has infinite perfection he has infinite greatness he has infinite worth to the point and i've said this before that his glory literally literally which is an overused word but i'm going to use it a lot literally cannot be exaggerated are oh, you going to exaggerate anything except the glory of god you cannot exaggerate it it is impossible he is infinite in his perfections and he is eternal and he just spoke all this that we've described he just spoken into existence with words like it wasn't hard for him it wasn't an effort it's how strong he is is how powerful he is there's never been a time when he did not exist think about that there's never been a time when he was nervous there's never been a time when he was worried How's this gonna work out? that doesn't happen for god He's sovereign over all things and he exists outside of time. He's not boxed by it. He created it. He exists outside of time. And yet, for you and for me in love, he was born in time. This glorious one, this author of everything, inserted himself into the story. He wrote himself into the story because there was no other way to save us from our sins and bring us peace. So he loved us enough to do that, this glorious one, deserving of all honor and worship, did that for me and for you. This is the miracle of the incarnation of, of Christmas. And he did this to bring us peace. and on earth, peace among those with whom He's pleased. And when you think about the peace of God, I want us to think about it in three ways this morning, three different kind of aspects of this peace that Christ is, gives, and brings. And the first one is this, that Christ brings us peace with God. That Christ brings us peace with God. See, because of our sin, right, we are all sinners, everybody. Because of our sin, we are Genesis 3 at enmity with God or Romans 5 we are enemies of God separated from him by our self-oriented self-focused rebellion and it's only through the life death and resurrection of Jesus that we can be reconciled and rescued and the enmity be gone and the peace restored and so it's Christmas time right And so let me try to illustrate this with a classic Christmas movie. So, Gabrielle, you can check off that I am illustrating with a movie again. And typically, I try to only speak about movies in the pulpit that I can recommend, that I feel good about recommending. But the profanity in this movie is such that I cannot recommend it to you. But I'm a sinner and you're a sinner, so I know most of you have probably seen it. And so this classic Christmas movie that I cannot recommend to you, maybe you can catch it and watch it on network TV, (laughs) which will pull it down a little bit. Nevertheless, it does make the point, and I want to help settle a debate among many of you. And it's this. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. (laughs) And not, I mean, seriously, think about this. Not just because it's set on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Not just because it's set on Christmas Eve. It's think about the plot. Think about the plot. You have a hero who comes from a far-off place, right? John McClane, New York, comes to LA to do what? To reconcile with his estranged bride. Church is the bride of Christ. He died for the church, right? To reconcile with his estranged bride, and in order to do that, he has to rescue rescue her from evil and captivity. That's the gospel. (laughs) But that, I mean, seriously, a hero travels to a far off land, reconciles with his estranged bride, and he has to rescue her from evil powers that hold her captive. That, that, that is, in a nutshell, like what's happening at, at Christmas. That's why Jesus came. He came as the angel told Joseph to save his people from their sins. And so is the 4th century theologian, Jerome, who translated the Latin Vulgate, if you have a background in Catholicism, that's, that's the Jerome we're talking about. This is what Jerome said. And Jerome said that Jesus was born in a dung heap because that's where he knew he'd find us. And so mild he lays his glory by, right, this glorious one, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And so number one, Christ brings us Peace with God. Romans 5 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the first kind of peace peace through Christ with God. Second, he provides us, as Philippians 4 7 tells us, with the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that passes all understanding understanding that even in the midst of tragedy and heartbreak and I know it's Christmas time sometimes is filled with that for for some of us because of things that have gone on that have transpired in our lives Christmas can bring out a, a heightened heaviness of heart and so even in the midst of tragedy and heartbreak and wondering with the psalmist why oh god and how long, O oh Lord, even in the midst of that and even in the midst of anxiety and depression or any other illness you may have, mental or physical, that you're walking through, even in the midst of that. There's still a peace that can settle your soul now in whatever you're going on, it may just be a glimmer You may not be able to see it, grab it, taste it, feel it at at this time, but it's still there. Why? How? Because Christ is still there. He walks across water to climb in the boat with you. He never leaves. He never forsakes. I mean, part of the reason Christmas happened is because God loved us enough to suffer all of life for us and for us. By our side. In Christ, you never have to fear that you are alone in your sorrows or in your pain or in your humiliation or in your loneliness. The one who made the world entered it as a child and experienced all of its hardships. And injustices so that by God's grace, he could be our comforter and our hope and our peace. And friend, if you are in Christ, just, just remember this. Christ never calls his children names. He never, call, he never says, you know, loser, failure, stupid. He never calls you these names. He never says you're, you're useless. You know, God calls his children beloved. He calls you heirs. He calls you mine, daughter, son redeemed, my child. And it's, it's like in that, when you hold on to that, there is a peace that will settle your soul. When this God of glory says, you're mine and I love you and I am your father and I am proud of you because of Christ, there is a peace to settle your, your soul and so like the song that we have sung in the past come weary and tired worn out from life step out of the shadows and walk in the light there is a peace to settle your soul there is a peace that is calling you home but if you've strayed or you've never trusted in Jesus or if you are weary and tired and worn out from life. There's a peace that is calling you home. Home to Christ. Who is, Ephesians 2.14, our peace. He himself is our peace. And so number one, there's a peace through Christ with God. Number two, there's peace in Christ. He, he is our peace gives p- peace that passes all understanding. He himself is our peace. Ephesians 2, 14. And then finally, number three, there is a coming peace from Christ. There is a coming peace from Christ. Like peace in, in, in one sense the word is already here. I mean, the kingdom of God is is already here. A kingdom of peace has already been inaugurated, right? with the dawning of Christ, but it's not yet fully realized. First Advent versus second Advent, right? Uh, so you can think of it as a sunrise. Like if you go out and see a sunrise, and um, I mean, a lot of people take photos of sunrises in the morning. We have some fantastic sunrises here in Tennessee as well as sunsets. But you'll see sunrises in the morning, and when a sunrise pops up, I mean, the the earth is filled with light, right? Long before the sun ever cracks over the horizon. But it's not until the sun, sun cracks over the horizon that the, the full glory, the, full, like, the fullness of light appears. And through faith, Christ's light is that same way. Christ's light already shines salvation and hope into our soul, even though it's not fully here. Like, we already have the removing of our guilt through faith, at the removing of our shame. He gives us peace with God. He places us into the family of God. He gives us confidence. He gives us assurance. He gives us power to fight sin. He gives us peace that passes all understanding. And yet, we are still waiting For the complete dawn of salvation and peace. For the complete realization of our hope. When all that's been broken is restored. And Christ's kingdom of peace. Isaiah 9 that John read is fully realized. Listen to Isaiah 9 again. The prophet Isaiah kind of crunches together some aspects of the first and second advent. And we now 700 years well. Twenty seven hundred years removed from Isaiah, who prophesied seven hundred years before Jesus, two thousand years after the birth of Jesus, see first in Advent there's a separation between them. He kind of crunches it together. And listen for the yoke for the yoke of his burden and the staff as his of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as of the day, as on the day of Midian. For every burden Of the increase of his government and of peace, the increase of these things, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Friends, the message of Christmas is not the easily marketed warm and fuzziness. It's that Christ is on his throne. That the kingdom is at hand. First advent has happened. And very soon, second advent will happen. Christ will return. Christmas number two. As it were. But not this time lowly and meek in a stable. But as a warrior king on a horse. Tattoo on his thigh. Sword coming out of his mouth. Blood on his robe. And snake boots on his feet. To crush forever the serpent. And the kingdom. Made up of all who believe. From the beginning of humanity. till when Christ comes again. Made up of all who will believe, when Jesus returns, this kingdom comes in its fullness. New heavens, new earth, all that's wrong made right, all that's sad comes untrue. Creation is restored, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there is no end. That's coming. And it wraps up with people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language gathered around the throne saying, worthy is the Lamb. Is He worthy? He is. No more injustice. No more pain. No more corrupt governments. No more sickness. No more sorrow. No more sin. And no more death. Kingdom of God established, new heaven, new earth, everything made right. That peace is coming. And so, yes, with the angels, let us sing glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. In KJV for a minute, goodwill toward man. Let's pray. Father, we know that this peace, that we are to shine this peace, we are to show this peace. But we also know that this peace that you rain down and you say among those with whom he is pleased. Father, we know that we are that, that you are pleased in those who trust you. You're not pleased in us for, for what we for what we do, who we are, where we're from, what we have. You're pleased. In who we trust. You're pleased when we recognize we are sin-wrecked rebels. Hell-bent on our destruction. But hurtling along thinking we are going somewhere and we don't need you. Or we live out a life of crisis-only Christianity. We don't need you day-to-day, but oh, here's a situation. Let me come running to you. And you're gracious enough to take us back. You are so gracious and kind. But at the same time, you say, there's so much more, daughter, son, if you will walk with me. And so, Father, help us to walk. Help us to trust. And, Father, we just praise you today. And we bless you because you are glorious. Jesus, and you are king, and we are not. Hammer that home in our hearts. You are king, and we are not. We don't give orders to the king, we take orders. And because you are a perfect king, we know that all of your orders, all of your commands are for our good and the flourishing of human beings on earth. Help us to trust. Glory to your name. Amen. Amen.